0: Hello again everyone, welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals and I am excited about today's podcast which you can see on YouTube or listen to on any podcast platform and we always deal with addiction and recovery. And my guest today is someone I've known and loved in a generic sense of the word <laughs> uh, for for a very long time and I, I, I call her a recovery superstar, which, which you are, Amy Dashwell. Oh
1: I, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having me. I,
0: I've loved you for a long time and seen you grow and and prosper and do great things. and it's just. Uh, it's just an honor to have you here. Um, maybe, maybe we should start with, you and I talked on the phone about coming and doing this podcast uh, last night and we were talking about how long ago there's a picture, I don't know if people have access to it, but there's a picture somewhere on the internet of you with, with looking pretty rugged down on, <laughs> down on Rio Grande back in the heyday of all the, all the crime and corruption that was going on around the Road Home Shelter, which was the shelter at the time. And what did we come up with six years ago?
1: Six years ago, yeah.
0: So six years ago, you were doing what?
1: I was doing the most. <laughs> I was homeless. Um, I fell into addiction in 2015. And it was from a stint of surgeries, you know, I've talked about my story multiple times before, but it started with prescription medication, Um, long story short, uh, with a lot of trauma all at once, and uh, I started self-medicating, right? I've been on opiates for a year and a half after the surgeries, and my mom committed suicide, I was going through a divorce, ex-husband absconds with my kids out of state, and I broke, started self-medicating, and uh, the pills became just so expensive to sustain. You know, to support my addiction, that that first ten dollars bag of heroin came, and within two months I was homeless, literally homeless. You lost everything, everything. I lost your kid, your home, your your husband, my worth, everything. My mom. Yeah, it was. I didn't know how to handle that emotional trauma all at once it was you know once my kids were taken like I had no reason to move forward you know they were my everything and here I have a dependency that I have created an addiction out of that I needed to sustain you know I'm trying to keep a job I'm going through withdrawals and uh, I just didn't know how to function without that medication
0: pretty pretty bleak and dismal situation then yeah and how I mean what finally turned things around I mean what clicked in your mind or was it the cops or the terrible way you were living or what
1: so I was on the streets homeless for two years right and so from the pills turned into heroin to turned into IV use and then to whatever you have I was that type of an addict you know what do you got you don't know what it does? Give it to me and I'll tell you what it does, right? Let me try it. <laughs> and uh, But heroin was was my go-to always, you know. And I would sit on that street corner and it was just one Christmas would go, two Christmases would go, Whoa. you know. And I was just a small-time little street dealer just to support my, my addiction, you know. And what changed for me was um, I was in and out of jail. I got arrested seven different times, you know into jail, do three months, get, get released back out into my addiction. Six months before the seventh time that I was arrested, I was actually seeking help, right? It was the middle of winter. I had just had enough. I was up at the hospitals pleading with them to get into treatment, you know, and this is before, you know, all the, the access that we have nowadays, you know. So six years ago, it was difficult to get into treatment. I was on a waiting list for the House of Hope for a year and wow. I kept calling, trying to get in. I mean, I actively was seeking help, and I just kept getting turned away as just another worthless homeless addict, right? I was uninsured, I was unfunded, and I just wanted to die. I I could remember sitting on that street just begging God to just take me because I couldn't do it anymore. And um, the moment that clicked for me was Operation Rio Grant. So... Six years ago, Utah got $67 million in federal money to address the homeless situation, <laughs> yeah. right? Which, which still exists. <laughs> it yes. still exists. Yeah. But to my own blessing, I received um, an opportunity for treatment. So, the week that they were doing the sweep is when they came and they arrested like 2,500 people right. like within I, a week I was
0: covering span. it as a news guy yeah, at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. There were just
0: hundreds of cops just sweeping down the street.
1: Just cleaning us up, you know, taking us to just jails across the Wasatch right. Front, you know. But this seventh time was different, you know. Uh, they pulled us in a room and they had the LDAs, they had the assessment team, they had, they had a whole team within the jails that I had never seen before. <laughs> and uh, they offered me treatment, you know, and, and I jumped. But the moment that clicked for me before I went into jail that changed me, that made me accept treatment, that knew I had to fight, was they were doing the sweep. And uh, for those that are not familiar, they brought in the trucks, right? They were arresting whatever you could not move, they would throw away. So everybody's belongings right then and there would be thrown away, right? right? So I always had a bike and a backpack and I would be rolling down the street and I was getting off because here's the cops, I don't want to get arrested, right. you know? And so I'm trying to get off the street and there was a homeless vet who had his basket for all of you, here's the real story, who had his basket and everything that he owned. He's disabled, he couldn't move it in time, they were getting ready to throw all of his stuff into the truck, so I grab his basket and I turn to get off the street and I hear click and there's a Salt Lake Tribune reporter that takes my picture with his basket. So I will forever be Amy with the basket,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> looking pretty <hardcore. laughs> On
1: Rio Grande. Yeah. Not to say that I've never pushed pushed a basket in my when yeah. I was homeless, of course, right? But that one wasn't mine, you know. And uh, the only thing that ran through my head in that moment was, if you don't do something different, this is the last picture your kids will ever see of you.
0: This is your legacy,
1: right? What a
0: horrible legacy!
1: I couldn't imagine. That being the last reference that my children had of me, and that and that was it. You know, that, so I went into jail. I was arrested.
0: And with today's technology, if they would do a search for you, that would always come up. Always, yeah. Oh, oh so, so you go into jail. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. And be like, <laughs> this is this this was the last picture we have of our mom. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: I couldn't imagine. I mean. It, I've already put them through enough, right? Like, I mean, I couldn't have that be who their mother was. So when they arrested me, um, I had such a distrust of the criminal justice system. Sure. You know, I the six times prior when I was asking for help, you know, the jail would tell me, your criminal history is not extensive enough to qualify you for substance use treatment. Oh, geez. So... I already thought, well, what's the point, right? You're not going to help me. I'm not not a criminal enough for you to get help or worth it enough for you to invest money in, right? I have a substance use disorder. You scraped me off the street, two overdoses, but I've got to go commit more crimes to get the help that I need. Wow. You know? What a
0: horrible message.
1: It was horrible. It was horrible, you know? But this last time when they offered me treatment, I almost didn't take it because of that distrust that I had right like you're not going to help me you don't care about me you know but for some reason I just decided to take out I met with Noella Sudbury who's actually my boss now today she was my LDA in jail and uh, they really sat me down and they really gave me my options and they gave me the very last bed at House of Hope and I jumped and here we are six years later wow Wow. And so
0: you only went through one treatment center
1: one treatment center which is
0: unusual for people with a substance use disorder
1: Yeah, now, I mean, but you got to remember I was I was 37 years old when I went into treatment, right? I didn't have 10 years of substance use history You know, I think that's super important for a lot of people to understand is you know I was fully emotionally developed had had a career had had a normal life You know, I had a two-year breakdown that i had to overcome i didn't have 10 years of childhood trauma i didn't have 10 years of substance use disorder right you know and so for me i mean the one time worked for me you know so
0: you think there's a difference in terms of how long people have been living like that
1: oh well, i i i personally think so you know there may be other people that disagree with me but i personally think so i mean 10 years of trauma 10 years of, of feeling like you're you're not worth it or 10 years of substance use disorder and you're stopping your emotional development, I absolutely feel that has something to come into play. Right? Especially
0: for people who are heavily using before that magic age of 25 when right. when your brain supposedly is fully developed, yeah. you know, so, and your brain was for whatever extent it is fully developed. <laughs> yeah. I'm joking. Uh, so, and and you'd had a taste of a quote normal life too. Yeah, so that certainly made a difference.
1: I knew how to function in society. Yeah. I had success. I had a house. I had a family. Right? Like I, I, I knew how to be a, a contributing member to society prior to my addiction. Right
0: so you go through house of hope successfully
1: i did i did four months
0: what happens after that because and and we'll get to where you are now which is so exciting yeah yeah
1: so four months in house of hope residential i did two months of outpatient within their program and then i did two months of sober living and this was all thanks to the funding from Operation Rio Grande, right? They did the whole wraparound services when they got that funding. And and then I was approved for a housing voucher, so I got my own apartment after I moved out of Silver Living. And uh, I was still going to outpatient when I moved out, and I started working for the Haven Residential Treatment Center. And I was just support staff, $9 an hour, right. you know, taking a bus from... 80th south all the way down to south temple you know and would go to treatment would go to work and i did that for the first six months of my recovery and then from haven i went to voa detox so i worked at the men's facility detox and uh, that was amazing i mean i think that's what really solidified my drive to want to stay in recovery was showing up on at a ground zero level. Yeah. I mean, it really tested me. You know, being eight months sober, it really tested and, where and, my and, commitment was.
0: And, it, and VOA does a great job, but but it is a very rugged facility to either visit or work in. Yeah. Or stay in, I guess.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's it's right in your face. Yeah. Right? You know, and, it, and it's exactly where you were eight months ago, you know. And so I worked there for um, almost two years and then went to USARA, and worked in their arches team so their addiction recovery um crisis crisis team so i would deploy to the hospitals 24 7 and we would meet people where they're at right there in the emergency rooms and went from there to steps from steps to odyssey Odyssey and then odyssey to naloxone and from Utah Naloxone to where I'm at now. So I've been all over the scope. You slope. have. Yeah. You, and,
0: and that's why I called you a superstar as well, because if you think about everything you just described, you're giving back, which gives back to you as well, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. Well, and it puts accountability into place for me too, you know? Being able to show up the way other people showed up for me is, is what changed me, is what enrolled me into school, right? I never thought that I could ever have achieved the life that I have today and it was only because somebody was willing to give me a piece of themselves and show up for me in a way that I have never experienced before. That's what was so powerful for me that you don't know me, you don't need you don't need to care about me, right. but you're showing up for me, right? That was that that changed my soul forever, you know.
0: I can imagine because you were coming from a feeling really worthless standpoint to Somebody really caring for you and really helping you,
1: right? With no with no benefit to them, <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> well,
0: that's that's true. You yeah. don't get a commission for saving addicts. <laughs> you <laughs> know, yeah. That's a good point. So, uh, you were, you. I remember because uh, I had the privilege of working with you for a while at Odyssey, uh, and when you took off, we were deeply disappointed. It was sad, uh, and, and we, we still miss you to this day but the organization that you're at now uh, it's it's pretty ironic who your boss is which is the woman you just mentioned right (laughs) noella sudbury so she actually was one of the first people to show compassion to you when you were at your worst yes and and now you're working with her in, a, in an amazing organization, Descri- describe what you guys do now.
1: So I work with Ross Legal. We are a public benefit corporation law firm.
0: That's RASA,
1: R-A-S-A. Yes. Um, Does so it mean, stand for something? I it means e- it's it's uh, Latin for erase. Oh.
0: I did not know that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, to erase your record. So Noella Sudbury, extremely passionate attorney, right? She's had a lot of success as an attorney throughout her career.
0: Cool person too. Amazing yeah.
1: woman. I mean, amazing woman. And she uh, worked with Ben McAdams when he was mayor for Operation Rio Grande. So that's how I met her in, in the jails. She became part of that project. And um, I've worked with her on just many different projects throughout the last, you know, six right. years in behavioral health. And she is the attorney responsible for passing the Utah Clean Slate Law. So they passed the Utah Clean Slate Law back in February of 21. Was it 20. one? I think it 20. was one. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. Sorry, Noella. I should know that. Yeah. <laughs> but um For all of those that don't know, the clean slate law automatically expunge minor criminal um, misdemeanor offenses. So as long as you've met the time frame under the statute, it will just automatically be expunged without you having to go through the lengthy process of expungement. I have been through three expungements total on my misdemeanor substance use charges that was a barrier for my housing, that was a barrier for background checks, that... It's just a forever life sentence, and it's a misdemeanor possession charge, and I will forever have to be living with a record as a criminal, right?
0: And, and, and it's so unfair because at the point that you're trying to get your life back, all of these stumbling blocks are thrown at you. Right. Because it, it, it's like uh, if, if anyone's ever filled out a job for him, any criminal passed, and, and then you're faced with either saying... No and lying, and then and then when they catch you, you, you don't get hired right. or saying yes and you don't get hired. And and the same thing with like applying for an apartment. Uh, and so everything when you're climbing up in life and out of the lifestyle that you were in is costing you more money than you can afford. Right. And throwing more barriers there. And a lot of people I mean, I've talked to a time. You have, too. They just say, screw it. Oh. I, boy, I, I wanted to get clean. I wanted to do the right thing, but I did. There's so many roadblocks, I'll just start using again.
1: Well, I mean, you take away any chance of them getting any self-sufficiency, right? right. But stay sober. Yeah, right. Stay sober. <laughs> even,
0: even though all this crap is being thrown at you. Right?
1: Yeah. It's It's just beyond my comprehension as to how they think that. Rehabilitation is just being sober. It's so far beyond just being sober, right? You need to be able to take care of yourself, your family, break those generational curses, be able to show up for your children. And how are they supposed to do that? The criminal record, they can't even volunteer at their children's school to to take them on a field trip. But, yeah, we're supposed to be active in our children's life and just flourish and grow, but we're putting all these barriers in the way. So Noella took it upon herself. To One passed the law, and then she went beyond that. She saw, like, this only covers misdemeanor records. What about the people with felonies? What about the people who have charges that need attorney representation? How are they ever going to move past this? So uh, she's like, we need to do something more. So we started RASA, and we offer low-cost expungement services. So we do 402 reductions to take people out of felony status. So sometimes their record's so extensive that they can't expunge because of the way the statute set up the way the law set up in utah you have to fit the perfect box in their formula you can only have so many felonies so many class a's so many class b's to be eligible for expungement if you have too many you're not eligible you got to go for a pardon right or you've got to spend a fortune to reduce down to fit the formula Right? right? Bring a felony down to an A, bring an A down to a B, just so I have the right number of offenses and classes to make me eligible. So she's like, we gotta do something more. So we do two hundred and fifty dollar four oh two reductions. We're literally charging a hundred and sixty-six dollars per case. Wow for expungement. So we do three expungements for five hundred dollars. And what
0: would it have been before
1: Ross's I spent three thousand? thousand dollars on my first expungement and i did nine charges Wow. And then you've got government fees on top of that, right? So we have government fees that we've been fighting in legislation for two years. Government now. fees like what? So you have to pay a sixty-five dollar application fee to the Bureau of Criminal Identification just to get the certificate of eligibility to file with the courts. You cannot file an expungement without that BCI certificate. So that's sixty five dollars and then you have a hundred and fifty dollar court filing fee per case to just file it in the court. So if you've got 9 cases, 9 times 150, sure. plus the $65 application fee, plus the $65 certificate for each case that you have to purchase to file the case. So you've got three different government fees on top of any attorney fees and so it and the process is so extensive. You know, you have to relive your background. You have to relive your trauma. You have to face all of your past again to try to get past it. And then you've got to figure out a way on a nine dollars an hour income to pay the three grand to move on with your life. Wow! But stay sober, Randall. Yeah. Well. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Boy, that's a grim picture. And you guys have simplified. you have cut the cost massively. Huge. And and simplified the procedure. Right. So people under the other thing, you know, what you just described to me, because I've never, knock on wood, I've never had a criminal record. Uh, it, it's a very complicated process for somebody to maneuver through all this crap.
1: It is. It's very yeah. extensive, very time consuming, very complex process for people to go through, you know. And so we wanted to take all of that stress out like we will handle it all for you. All we need from you is for you to complete a BCI application and we'll take it from there. Wow! We will represent you. We will file for you. We will do it all for you. And it has been so transformative in so many lives. I mean, across, across the scale of individuals, right? Not just people early in recovery. I'm, I'm talking to clients who are 70 years old that want their record clear out of sheer principle to right. finally never be burdened And by that stigma, by that judgment of having a criminal record. They have been successful. They have maintained careers. They have moved past that barrier. But out of sheer principle, want that off of their record because it doesn't reflect the person that they are today. Right. Right. You don't realize how heavy it is and how long you've been carrying it until you're finally free from it. I mean, just tears on the phone, grown men from the relief of never having to be that person anymore.
0: Are, Are you free?
1: I am. I've cleared my entire record. Really? Yes.
0: And you have a big smile on your face when you (laughs) say that. It was
1: huge. It was a barrier for me to go to school. I can't get licensed in the state of Utah without having to go through an extensive process to become a therapist. I'm finishing up my master's right now. I had to meet with the associate dean at the University of Utah just to be accepted into the MSW program on misdemeanor possession charges. I mean, just something that simple. I can't go give back to the community that I love so much and show up in the behavioral health space because I had a possession charge six years ago, and then I've got to have a meeting with you to tell you why I should be able to be eligible to finish this program. It's those type of barriers that just keep pushing people down.
0: It's so unfair, and you are... (laughs) you're such a great example. I mean, you go six years ago; that was you. Six years into the future, this is you now, and you shouldn't have to deal with the crap that you went through because six years ago you screwed up. Yeah. And you were dealing with a disease. Yeah. You know, if you'd have had cancer, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have had to worry about. I mean, people don't seem to understand that addiction is a disease, uh, and and people deal with it in a variety of ways. Yeah, uh, and and so your disease took over your life six years ago, and now you are doing wonderful things. Oh, thank you. You know, uh, boy. How many people have you helped? Has Rasa helped and Clean Slate helped?
1: I mean, I'm coming up on 2,000 expungement petitions that I've drawn personally, that I have drafted personally. You know, we have. In a period of what? In two years, Mm -hmm. almost two years. In February, it will be two years that we've been in business. But right now, we've got almost 4,000 open cases right now. Jeez. And that's just Utah. We will be expanding to Arizona on December 6th. So Noella's goal and mission is to take this nationwide. You know? Why not?
0: Are, are other states Do other states treat people with a criminal history the same way we do?
1: We're starting to see some progress uh, in other states. We're starting to see some movement, but not at the extent of what Noella's doing, right? Like, I just don't think—I mean, she's just, she's just that woman that— if anybody can do it, she's going to do it. Oh, my God. And, I and she that. <laughs> leads with such a passion and a purpose, and she does it for the right reasons, right? She didn't enter in this to, to, you know, make a name for herself. She did this because she saw the barriers within the system, having been right in the middle of it when she did Rio Grande. And she's like, we need to change it, you know? And she took her position as an attorney and she took on that mission upon herself which has been just so inspiring to be a part of.
0: She is an inspirational person. So are
1: you. Well, thank you. So are you. Well, (laughs) thanks. I mean,
0: we're all in recovery and happy that we are. And like I said, I was lucky I didn't have to deal with the criminal record. Yeah. But but still, just uh, staying in recovery for a long time really makes a huge difference in somebody's life and you are the best example of that. And why people should not judge somebody for what they did six years ago, yeah. five years ago. I mean, people can change.
1: Yeah. Know.
0: So, thank you very thank you. much for uh, that. See, see, everyone. Why I called her a recovery superstar. You are. Oh, I've
1: and, I've only made it this far with individuals like you surrounding me. It 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 has taken an entire tribe.
0: You are a wonderful person. Thank you very much, Amy, thank for you. being here. I
1: appreciate it. Yeah,
0: I I do as well. And thank you. We appreciate you either watching or listening to another podcast of Odyssey House Journals.